0: Before we begin today's episode, I'm going to spend a few seconds telling you about our patreon where you can support the show It's patreon.com/ anewwinter and you get exclusive podcast episodes and you can donate even a dollar if you want but everything you give will help me be able to spend more time working on the show patreon.com/ anewwinter If you don't have the money and want to help, then great please rate and review the podcast because that really does make a huge difference. Thank you a winter you- in- culture) Hello, everybody, and welcome to A New Winter Cults and Culture. And I hope you've enjoyed the 2010s. And in celebration of the fact that we've entered a new decade, I'm going to be going through my top games and top films of the 2010s and the reasoning behind them. And the thing is, I'm going to be talking about the music and the albums of the 2010s, but that's with Dan. I'm going to do that as a whole separate thing. So this is going to be just me. Talking about the top films and the top games. Right, so first up, we're going to be talking about the top 10 films of the decade. Now, this is obviously very personal to me, and there are actually probably a lot of films that I missed out that I've watched and thought and would think, oh yeah, wow, that was more, I enjoyed that more than blah, blah, blah. So I'm interested to hear what your top 10s are. So remember, you can email me at newwinterpodcast at gmail.com, Instagram, Twitter, at newwinter. Tell me what your top 10 films are, and tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, Tell me if I'm right, hopefully. But, um, yeah, it would be interesting what you guys think. So, uh, number 10 is The Raid. So, The Raid is, if you don't know already, basically it's in a tower block and it's about a police team that gets sent in to basically take out this boss who's... You know, the top crime lord of this tower block. and it had pretty much the same setup as Dread, which came out afterwards, if anyone remembers that. but um yeah, it's very similar. And it was, and still is probably the best action film I'd seen, well, maybe ever, but in a while. And this was before like the John Wicks and stuff. and I do enjoy the John Wick trilogy, but for me, there's something that feels brutally raw and very authentic about the raid and its fighting. And the fact that it is relentless and I know like, but you know, people love John Wick and I get it. And that is relentless. But with this, I really like the way it was one location, very simple. Like just get like, literally just make the way to the top of your building, but it has the most amazing choreographed fight scenes like ever. Some of the best I've ever, I've seen since like watching old school, like Hong Kong um, movies back in the day with like Sonny Chow, whatever his name is. Um, and yeah, so if you haven't seen it, you really need to. And people might say Raid 2 Redemption, I think it was called, or Raid 2 basically is a lot better. And I would say that there was a purity to the Raid that Raid 2 doesn't have. Raid 2 is obviously bigger in scope. It takes place across the city. It's got like car chases and stuff. And I love, uh, to be honest, as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking, you know, when I finish this, I'm going to go watch it again. And I, I might even do an episode on it. Um, but first Raid for me was... the the better one and it just it felt better and i think because it had that shock value of being like i didn't expect it to be this good that really added to it so which raid 2 obviously being a sequel doesn't have um so maybe in a sense it's a better film in a classical sense of the term but for me personally this was the best of the two and it made number 10 of the list so let's go into number nine Number nine, uh, for anyone who's been listening to the episodes recently, might not be a surprise to you, but it's the wailing. <laughs> And The Wailing is a kind of horror film. It gets a bit horror in the last bit of it, at least. But a very well put together film, basically dealing with, well, ghosts and demons, I suppose. But it's basically like a family drama more than anything, a small town drama. I love the way it's shot. I love the way the plot um, is carried out. I love the characters. I just enjoy everything about it. And the fact it has these really super weird, really... Like horror elements to it, whereas it's not actually horror and it gets your brain thinking a bit more, is great. And it's weird because I was kind of tossing up other films, um, other like foreign, I should say, horror films. And I still came back to The Wailing and thought, I just like this better. You know, I just enjoyed this more. And I watched it um, again fairly recently and I was like, man, this is a really good film. It is really good, so yeah, that's made number nine, and I highly recommend it. So, keeping on the horror theme, number eight is Hereditary. Mom, I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening, Nina! Don't you ever raise your voice to me? I am your mother. Mom, what's happening? I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. And I went to it, and when I came out, I would probably not have thought that this would make my top ten list. And after watching it a second time, it didn't have the impact that it had the first time. But I really loved it, and it's really stayed with me. And the reason being is that I like what it represents. I like the fact that, It's kind of about mental health issues and genetic ones at that. Um, And about being, you know, well, nature versus nurture a little bit. But it's so tonally there. It's so disturbing on on a very subconscious level. And it's a slow burner and it has a massive payoff at the end. But it does have these like little cool bits in between. It's just really well written and a really enjoyable, like, and I always compare everything to Rosemary's Baby, and I shouldn't do I don't even think Rosemary's Baby is that amazing, but um, just it felt like it was something a bit different. And it felt like going back to that horror of yesteryear, where it, especially in the climate at the moment, where like a lot of horror is just like scare, 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 jump, jump, scare, jump, scare, jump, scare. And you're just like, oh, man, I don't care. Like, I like the slow. Stuff that gets under my skin and it stays there for days. That has an, an, an emotional effect on me. And hereditary, I really feel like what's that? So number seven of my list is the witch. Oh God, my Lord, and now begin. Oh help me, and I'll leave my sin. For I repentant, thou shall be. From evil, I will turn to thee. None ever shall destroy my faith. For I repentant, thou shall be. Oh God, my Lord, and now begin. i'll oh help me, and I'll leave my sin. For I repentant, thou shall be. Let's leave the report. So Why the Witch? It again, much like Hereditary, very slow film, and I went to see this on the cinema. And the fact that it does a very strange thing where it actually starts at the climax, if that makes sense, and then slowly does build over time, but it opens out in the first like 10 minutes or whatever with the most disturbing stuff for the whole movie, I would say. And the fact that it's just, it makes you very much aware of this horror that's out there. And then the rest of it is kind of dealing with it, essentially, <laughs> um, with the threat that you know, you know what this thing is capable of. And it's also about like a young woman's coming of age. And it deals with like religion and all this stuff. I think the fact that it's, it was clearly well researched and I would love to actually do an episode on it and I should do really. I liked the fact that it was like old ye language and it's in one small location that I like stuff that's like in forests, (laughs) the threat of a forest and of trees and of like, you know, that border between nature and civilization and how like, One can fear the other in different ways. Um, It's just really amazingly paced, really well shot, and just every little bit of it was just a surprise to me, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, people probably wouldn't even think this was that great or one of the best films of the decade. But again, it was one of those things that had like a massive impression on me. And the same when Hereditary came around, and I mean, it's just indicative of how A twenty four, who I believe did both as a studio. Are really like knocking things out of the park at the moment by just being quality, just making quality films that do different, you know, and that's great, and that's we need more of that. And they don't have to be horror. It's just that you know, horror is a very is a particular um, as a particular genre. It can affect you in different ways, and people would say that things like oh, I don't know, I can't think of anything on top of my head, like different things that are quite cheesy horror or like just gore fests or things like that it's like that's like horrific but sheer horror (laughs) is uh, different and that's kind of what The Witch does and I really recommend it like all these films so that comes to number six on my list which is Good Time Next You're incredible do you understand? Yeah. I'm serious. If you think I could have done that without you standing next to me being strong? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling of I'm feeling right now? Yeah, I'm cold. You cold? Yeah. Let's get to Virginia, man. Just keep your head now. Oh, oh, turn around! He's alright. We didn't do anything. Whoa, whoa! whoa. Get back here! Oh, turn around! So I told you about my brother, yeah? Something happened. I don't know exactly what. He's been arrested He's being held at Rikers Island. Oh my God, that's awful. Who would have thought 10 years ago that I would be saying that Robert Pattinson is probably one of the most exciting actors around and I'm super glad that he's going to be the new Batman. Um, and has anyone seen the set picks, by the way? Because it's interesting. So yeah, you should have a look at that. Um, Batman's got a motorbike. Urgh. Well, Bruce Wayne, whatever. So um, yeah, good time it's about Robert Patterson who has a brother and it takes place over the course of a kind of like well an evening but like kind of like a late afternoon slash early morning the next day and it is a panic attack basically for two hours it stumbles from one scene to another Robert Patterson is just trying to like help his brother out and all this stuff keeps happening and you know, there's just a panic to everything, to every scene, every moment. And by the end, you feel exhausted. And I can't say that with any other film. And there's not, it's not like action packed in a sense of like, it's guns and it's like, blah, 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 and all this stuff and things are blowing up. It's not that at all. It's just that you, this guy is just trying to like, do what he can and everything is going wrong. And there's just some bits in it. I watched it, um, for the third time, uh, with my mum me the other day. And, um, yeah, and I was watching it again, and there was one like pretty massive plot point about halfway through. I was like, I completely forgot. I completely forgot this happened. And I was just as shocked as I was the first time I saw it. And that's because I'm just, you're constantly in the moment with that film. You're not thinking about what's coming or what's just happened. It's just like, there, 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 bang, bang, bang. And, um, yeah, they've got a new one out, uh, The Brothers Who Made It, and it's called Uncut Gems, I think, with uh, Adam Sandler. I don't know if it's out, if it's coming out. It's getting a lot of praise at the moment. And it makes me think, yeah, these are filmmakers um, to look out for because Good Time kind of, it passed a lot of people by and it really shouldn't have because it is expert filmmaking. And I have never watched a film like that and felt that way. Um, And to be honest, like there's part of me which is like, uh, I really want to put it higher up the list. And I'm even looking at the list, I'm like quibbling, going, I want to put it higher. Like I could make it number one and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't think twice about it. I'd I'd be happy with that. That's how much I think of good time. But um it still feels quite a, a small film and that's fine. Not that small films can't be number one, obviously. Uh, but there's an element where I think um the other ones engaged me more emotionally, maybe this do this did. Because even though this does have a story, there is a story, The it feels like it's like an adrenaline rush. Like it feels like um, it's it's not kind of making time for me to reflect on stuff, which is fine, and that's the, how the film's supposed to be. But it hasn't given me anything really to think about for that much longer. It didn't have that much of an impact, let's say, until whilst I was actually watching it. Long-lasting effect, let's just put it that way. Um, so yeah if you haven't seen it my god go and watch it because it is great and that is number six good time which brings me on to number five which is The Master what do you do? I am a writer a doctor a nuclear physicist a theoretical philosopher but above all I am a man just like you (laughs) he's been writing all night You seem to inspire something in him. What we will do now will urge you toward existence within a group, society, or family. Good science, by definition, allows for more than one opinion. Otherwise, you merely have the will of one man, which is the basis of cult. And this is where we are at. To have to explain ourselves. For what? The only way to defend ourselves is to attack. You know, you should wake up, Val. Your father's speaking. You might learn something. He's making all this up as he goes along not see that i wonder how he got here and what he's after is it really all so easy so as i was going through films that were released in the last decade i kept coming back to the master and being like it's an incredible film but is it one of my films of the decade and then the more i thought about it the, the more i realized that it is <laughs> and it sounds stupid but like everything about it i love so there's one scene in particular with Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman where I'm just like this is amazing. It's when they he's doing the interview with him and they're talking about um you know it's like who are you whatever and he keeps asking him more intently more intently and Joaquin Phoenix is crying and it's filmed super close up. It's so emotional and it was like I was at the edge of my seat um and yeah really emotional throughout the whole thing as well. Throughout this scene, and as a film, it's weird because it's in a sense it's about Joaquin Phoenix. It's also about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. um, The way it deals with religion and cults, and the where it's set, when it's set, and you know the idea that really it's just about this poor guy who's just lost in life, and we all feel a bit like that sometimes. And the way that everything is shot the way that it develops, um, the way that it takes, you know, I have a real affinity with like a underdog or like a, a small guy essentially who's maybe not that bright, doesn't fit in. He's just trying to do his best to make his way, but everything he does is wrong. And then he finds this kind of calling. He finds someone who might you know, be able to help him. In this case, is this like religious leader. Um, who he thinks is his friend, but he's not. He's not his friend. Like, he's just using him the same as everyone else. And just that whole dynamic and their relationship is really good. It's really great. And, yeah, and it was tough because, like, like when I think of a similar thing, um, First Man, which people might not have thought was, you know, people liked it, but I was actually quibbling whether it should make this list as well. And the main reason is because it all builds up to this emotional punch at the end, which is in a similar vein um, to the one in this one, in a sense of it suddenly becomes, everything just becomes really personal to this one person. And it's the same at the end of First Man where, you know, he's looking um, into space basically and he's, got, and he's having this moment. And God, that just, I'm obsessed with space anyway, but it gave me such a kick um, in the bollocks basically of emotion that uh yeah it really like haunted me to this to this day but the thing is as much as first man is great and i loved every aspect of it and i loved all the space stuff i thought it was brilliant um there was just that part of me that was like the master as a film is just expertly crafted in a in a very auteur kind of way not that first man wasn't because it was But it was the telling of events and one man's life through it because really it's about him, and I'm going on to First Man now, even though it's not actually on the list. First Man is really about a man grieving over the death of his daughter. That's what it is. It's not about landing on the moon. It's not about Neil Armstrong and, you know, all the Apollo 11 stuff. It's about Neil Armstrong, the father. And that's what really gets me about it. And it was really close to being on this list. And, you know, even looking back at it, I'm like, am I saying The Witch is better? <laughs> but it's like, The Witch is a better film. And for me, like, First Man um, had that kick, but the rest of it, I was like, it's okay. It's a, it's kind of retelling the Apollo 11 events. Fine, looks good, it's great. But The Master just had it all, really had it all. Um, and yeah, so that is my number five. So I made it halfway into the list, um, which brings me now to my number four, which is, space-themed, Interstellar. We're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it. And this is the mission we were trained for. I've got kids, Professor. Get out there and save them. You have no idea when you're coming back. I'm coming back. We must reach far beyond our own lifespans. We must think not as individuals, but as a species. We must confront... People might think I'm insane for choosing Interstellar because a lot of people hated it. There's reasons why I love it. One is that it deals with a lot of the space stuff that I'm interested in. And especially when it comes to space and time and gravity and things like that, I'm obsessed with it. I love astrophysics and I wish I was intelligent enough to really grasp it properly rather than just kind of listening to facts and hearing about how things work and being like, I kind of semi-understand it and that sounds cool. But Interstellar plays on a lot of that and puts in a very entertaining um, framework As essentially it's like one man being a dad and, like, the idea of duty over family and, you know, how he his relationship with his daughter. And sometimes the, so there are things which didn't work, which is why it's not higher on the list, even though it's at number four. Um, but, I mean, it looks great. Christopher Nolan is, like, the most amazing director of our generation, probably, one of them at least. And everything that he does in this film feels right and all right it's a bit slow getting off i get that i don't mind it that whole thing about love being something that permeates everything i know is super cheesy (laughs) and people had a real problem with it but i like the idea that the things that make us human things that are like emotions are something that makes us special in the universe and are things that have you can't they're not tangible. They're not something that science can quantify um, or qualify. And the idea that that is something, basically what she's trying to say really is it's something almost magical that can permeate through space and time is, I know it sounds ridiculous and stupid on the sense of it, but I love the kind of, the magical nature of it. This This idea that, you know, love transcends all kind of thing um, in a science-based film and okay maybe it's a bit heavy-handed maybe it's a bit stupid and at the time I thought it was very stupid and cheesy and maybe it's the delivery via Hannah Hathaway not taking anything against her but don't know maybe the fact she was crying a bit being a bit too much but I don't know I had no idea I, I just understand that's usually people's gripe when I say that how much I love this film it's their first thing they go to is that is that little bit about love but I liked it and maybe that's the idealist in me kind of setting in but everything around it was great and I loved how epic it felt and afterwards I always whenever I finish I'm just like I really feel like I've been on a journey and that's when like a space odyssey um, literally in the film but I didn't actually mean it like that that's where it really works is when you come back and you feel like man I went somewhere and I really wasn't expecting that and that's what I love about Interstellar absolutely love it um but yeah there are a few character beats there are a few story beats that don't sit 100% right with me and I know it really um a lot of people really hated it stuff like Matt Damon suddenly appearing in the middle and it's like oh it's Matt Damon especially since he would just done whatever it was the um one he's he stuck on Mars I can't remember if that's before or after this I think it was after this actually the Martian um yeah you know and that kind of threw me out a little bit but fine um the IMAX scene stuff was good I just I loved it so anything Christopher Nolan does to a degree basically I think well I think Following was the only one where I was like you know his first film where I was a bit like this isn't so great (laughs) but then it was his first film that he filmed over like five years or something on the odd weekend so yeah Interstellar made it to number four of the list that takes us to number three which might be a surprise for everyone But it is and the bronze medal goes to Mad Max. I want them back, they're my property. Oh what a day! What a lovely day! Wanna get through this? Go! When I was running this list past people, um, a few were shocked that Mad Max made it, not only made the top 10, but made number three. Uh, Mad Max. And, you know, some people um, might say that that, all that stuff I was saying about Good Time could be applied to Mad Max, which is true. But for me personally, I bloody loved Mad Max. I loved it. Every single second of it. I think there's part of me that was because it felt like a B movie from old um, with a bigger budget and that we just don't see that anymore. We don't see it. Whereas it's simple as like, you know, I think of like Death Race or something like that. It's just the first thing that came to my head. Oh, Mad Max. But like, you know, you're trying to get from A to B and that's it. And all this stuff is happening and it's insane and I loved like the way it was shot. I loved the world that was created around it. Loved the characters, um, and it was just a thrill ride from beginning to end. And it made me think back to like when I was a kid, and even stupid stuff, like Flash Gordon or whatever. um, It's a stupid movie, but I loved the Flash Gordon world. You know, and for me, this was this was part of it. It just felt like it had that sci-fi gritty edge and it was just something really simple that they did something amazing with and it didn't stop and it wasn't afraid to be like fucking weird like i always have a gripe about the fact that all films these days there's no like real character actors there's no real like people who you know you think of films that back then of the old people who are just casters, and, you know, who, that who their characters were just normal people, what I'm trying to say, don't look like normal people. They look like Hollywood's version of normal people, which means they're still super good looking. They still, you know, there's nothing actually that normal about them that be compared to like Brad Pitt or whatever, then yeah, they look fairly normal. But if they walked into like your room, if they walked into like your Christmas gathering or your New Year's party, you'd be like, that guy's really good looking. It's good. If it's like... Yeah, but in Bad Max, I'm just like, people are like full out ugly here and they they look interesting. And that's one of the things that a lot of films have that a lot of films these days don't do um, is that, you know, the people just don't look interesting. They just don't look real. And there's like this kind of like sheen, American dream sheen put on everything for the most part. Um, where I'm just like, none of this, like these guys don't look like the kind of people that would live or work here or wherever. Um, they don't look like normal people who are just on the street. And I'm not, Mad Max is like, <laughs> obviously, on the other end of the spectrum in a sense of where people look perfect, these guys look ultimately, they're cast for being ultimately ugly and weird and all this. And that's great. And I just like, I like seeing that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I want to see something that's a bit different. It's a bit weird. And yeah. And the idea that it's just like, put the throttle on or whatever you say, put your foot down and just racing across the desert and all this action, action, action stuff happening. I was just like, man, this was amazing. I loved it. And yeah, again, it was one of those things I was like, how the hell did this get so high up? But when I look at the stuff, I'm like, what was like, that was really fun. Like Mad Max was really, really fun where the other ones might have had more as I said, of an emotional impact, stuff that maybe stuck with me, um, and all this, it was Mad Max. I was like at the end of it going, that was a roller coaster, and I fucking loved it. So Mad Max is at number three. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That takes me to number two, the silver medal. And what could that be? Well, it's another Christopher Nolan classic, Inception. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. It's called Inception. Already I think I found a way home And this last job That's how I get there Dreams feel real while we're in them It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange your responsibility. We you are not prepared to this- Now, for a while, Inception was top of my list, and that's mainly because the film that I've, I'll tell you in a, in a bit, which, was, which is number one now, I thought came out in the previous decade, but it didn't. So when I found out that it was this decade, I put it at the top. But this film was my number one for a long time making this list. And the reason why is because... For me, it's a kind of almost a perfect, um, perfect film in that the casting is great. The pacing is great. It never stops. It's interesting. It's also like, and I know people think like, oh, it's just feigning to be intelligent, but it's not really intelligent. That's fine by me. If it's trying to get my brain, trying to figure things out, great. If it's like, it gets to the end, and it's like, it doesn't make sense. I don't really mind because I enjoy the journey that it took to get there. I like the idea that they play within dreams, within dreams, within dreams. That, And not only that, that's, and this is what like a lot of films do that I always find, which is good and clever, is that sometimes they take a con- conceit like, you know, oh, you're able to go into dreams. Right. That's where some writers may stop. It's people going to dreams, like I'm not, not <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, but in a sense of like, it's a heist movie and they go into their dreams to get it. Okay, cool. Some writers stop there. But with things like this, and I think Jonathan Nolan and Chris Nolan wrote it together, maybe, I don't know if fact in front of me, but um, him and his brother. Um, with this, they're like, well, in in this thing that we've built, let's take that to the extreme. Why can't you do dreams within dreams? Like, if we're saying the dreams are a kind of reality, then surely that would work in that, right? Then how far does that go? Push it, push it, push it. And that's what great films and great writing always does. It doesn't just stop and like, think, like, oh, this is cool. You know, uh, when people go, and that's, and that's the thing, like, especially when you meet amateur writers, which I am myself, but, um, I, you know, some of the jobs I've done, I've had to, you know, <laughs> I, I think there are different levels of amateur writing, and I'm not quite right at the bottom, maybe. But, um, yeah, and you get to, and a lot of people listening to you in but feel like you are at the bottom, <laughs> but you get to, um, you, you listen to some people, and they've got an idea, right, and all you need is an idea, and they tell you that idea, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. So where does it go from there? And they're like, well, you know, that's it's just it's the great idea, and it's like, yeah, and that's why you know, anyone, not anyone, could think it. Maybe you're the only person that's thought it, but great, you've got the idea. Develop it. Where does it go? And that's what writing exercises do. So if you see loads of stuff where it's like, you know, what method actors maybe do, they don't just like get given, okay, you're the uh, shopkeeper whose son is in jail. Oh, right, cool. Great, great, great. I'll say a few lines. What a lot of these actors and writers may do, it's like, well, where, how did they grow up? What would you do? And they write them into like situations. So like, what would happen if um, like a I don't know, bomb went off next door? Or, you know, what would happen if someone maybe went into the shop with a gun? How would this person react? What would you do? And you kind of flesh it out and you maybe take things to, to the extremes just to see how things work and you bend and break the rules a little bit. And that's what Inception does with the idea of it's people going into people's dreams. And for some people that's too much, and that's fair enough. Um, But I thought visually it was great. I thought, geez, it's like some of those shots are just, wow, incredible. The fact that it mixes up so many genres and does it so well um, in the sense of, uh, you know, sci-fi, action, thriller, heist, um, all this stuff and, you know, especially towards the end where it's like James Bond movie mixed with, um, <laughs> like a seventies car chase mixed with, you know, whatever and all this stuff. And it's all happening at the same time. It's great. And I think that's one of the things is that maybe people don't, um, maybe think about as much is the editing and especially during those end sequences. Um, it's really cool to, to keep you reminded about where everything is at any time time. And, you know, maybe some people found it confusing. I I was keeping up with it, I thought. Um, so it was actually, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought it was something that was completely different. And I do understand when people say, uh, Inception is a um, two-hour setup for a half-hour payoff. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of true, isn't it? Um, and there is just so much explanation given that... Um, yeah, I can see why people put off with it, but I loved it. I loved it, and I I think that it just it blew my mind a little bit, it, and it felt truly original. And especially like well now as well, but especially back then when it was like I you know you felt like there was nothing out there that was just its own thing, and that's what Christopher Nolan is. You know, obviously he's done the Batman trilogy, but as in I like the way that he's trying to do something different with each film. You know, he's done space. War, he's about to do some, and well, strangely enough, another like sci fi crime thing, whatever that is. Yeah, Inception, which was its own thing entirely. Um, So, you know, just trying trying different things. You know, Insomnia, what was that? That was like a serial killer kind of, you know, cop drama, wasn't it? Um, So, yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend Inception. Everyone's probably seen it. Um, If you hate it, fair enough, but I loved it. And that's made number two on my list, which brings me. Two, the number one and what could it be it's drive if i drive for you you give me a time and a place i give you a five minute window anything happens in that five minutes and i'm yours no matter what i don't sit in while you're running it down i don't carry a gun i drive so you just moved to LA. No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive for movies. Isn't that dangerous? It's only part time. You put this kid behind the wheel. There's nothing he can't do. Dad, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. Drive is by far my perfect film. <laughs> it is incredible in so many ways and not only is it it's my perfect film because there's just all the elements I love are all put in one package so you've got well firstly the music and that drive soundtrack is amazing and it was very much it was I was just starting to listen to that kind of synth wave stuff and I was starting to get into it and I hadn't really put my finger on what the exact things I wanted to listen to were and then Drive came out and I was like, this is it. This is the sound that I was looking for, especially Cliff Martinez's score as well and the chromatics um, guy was choosing the music as well for Nicholas Wind And um, I was like, this is the music that I've been, yeah, I've been looking for, that I was trying to get close to and all this. And then it made me, that was what made me do my Legacy electronic stuff um, because of Drive and because I was like, I want to, really explore this, this genre as such. And it's people be oh there's nothing new, it's just 80s, whatever. And I get that. But for me, I was like, this feels right. It feels really cool. And this is like, just, per- it just came in perfectly in where I was in my life. Uh On top of that, um as a film in itself, really well shot, amazingly well shot, amazingly edited I mean, even if you just look at before the intro credits, just that little bit where he picks up the robbers and they go to do everything. Everything just is like, it's just absolutely perfect. It's like a little short film in and as of itself. And it's one of the best intros to any film ever, full stop. The rest of it is exactly the same. I like the way that Ryan Gosling's uh, character who, and having just that jacket, just that jacket itself with the scorpion on, is just, like, iconic now. And it, it going in, it was blatantly going to be iconic because it looks so stylish, so cool, and it just completely resonates with his character as well as a scorpion, very silent. And then when he strikes, it's hard and it's fast, basically. And it's dangerous. And there's also, there's, a, there's the messaging of what it means. I think it's like fertility or whatever and all this stuff. I can't remember. But... The imagery of the scorpion is great. The fact that it, you know, adorns a lot of the covers of everything um, in terms of like, sorry, the like, CD covers or whatever, or the posters, there's uh, a reason for it. It's, and that's what I'm saying, is it just looks cool. Ryan Gosling looks cool. The fact that his, they were cutting out loads of his dialogue and they made him like a very silent protagonist, great. Love that. I love the fact that you can tell what someone is doing or thinking just by looking. It's a sign of a good actor anyway. Ryan Gosling does it really well because he clearly loves looking cool. Um, and he's not got the most, the best sounding voice either, to be brutally honest, if you ask me. Um, so having him as very softly spoken, very gentle, etc. And then having these moments of ultra violence, as it were, is great. And that kind of confidence and that, then the violent aspect of it, that kind of Tarantino style, like bloody violence. Um, is is weirdly cathartic in a a sense of it but also it just shows it's this difference between the two people inside him and there's that struggle that he's not even you're not you're not even really aware of um that's kind of going on inside him the fact that he wants to be you know a nice guy he wants to do something for this woman and he loves her and he's not being creepy he's not doing anything weird He's got his own little life, his own little thing. And this woman comes in and she's got a kid and it's something that he wants, this humanity as such. And yet underneath it, he's really like a monster and he's trying to hide that. That in itself is great. Just that as a setup is brilliant. And the fact that there's about 10 lines of dialogue in the whole movie or whatever makes it even better. Every single scene in it serves a purpose. Every single line of dialogue serves a purpose. Um, and yeah. As I said, it's got it's got different elements too. It's got the heist element. Car chases are great, even though they don't really, you know, go on that long for a film like Drive. And I believe that's why people who went to see Drive got really annoyed and asked for refunds because they thought it was going to be a Fast and Furious, and, they, and he obviously wasn't. But yeah, and again, the rest of the acts: Brian Cranston, for instance, great; Christina Hendricks, and all this stuff. You know, don't forget they're in it. Um, Ron Perlman. I remember that bit where like um, Ryan Gosling's got the mask on and he shoots Ron Perlman in the sea. Like that's got a horror element to it as well, you know, like a slasher style. Um, the fact, yeah, that it's like the crime element of it. Like it's all this stuff is just mixed in and it just looks amazing. Um, and I think, like a lot of people, are like, oh, you know, he drives in the distance, but it's like there's an element where you think he died. Like, even though he switches the engine on and he drives off or whatever is that him dead, like going off into the distance? And sorry, spoilers, I should say, for those who don't know. Um, Drive was everything I wanted it to be. And I I bought it on on Blu-ray when it, you know, first came out. The day it came out, I think I had it pre-ordered, whatever. Um, Soundtrack I listened to constantly. And when I say constantly, I mean it was like end-to-end. I was just into it. The score as well, like score and the soundtrack, I think it was all in one thing. But as in, you know, don't... It wasn't just the songs itself. Cliff Martinez's score was incredible. And just tonally, it felt cool. It was just a cool film. And it's probably one of the coolest films I've ever seen. And I don't think Reffin can... I have no idea if he can do something like that again. I've enjoyed all his films past that. Um, I liked Only God Forgives. I didn't think it was as good. I didn't think it was great, but I did like it. And the same with Neon Demon. I liked it. Again, didn't think it was as good. But I did like it. And I'm interested in what, you know, what he will always keep doing going forward. I know he's got his TV series. I think it's coming out soon. But I think and I think he says this as well, that Drive was his masterpiece. Like it's something that was like had the mass appeal. It had his indie roots in it. Um everything about it was just just perfect. And it was it was the perfect film. And that's why it's number one in my list. So for me, the top film of the decade is Drive. Number 1, uh, and then number 2, Inception, number 3, Mad Max, number 4, Interstellar, number 5, The Master, number 6, Good Time, number 7, The Witch, number 8, Hereditary, number 9, The Wailing, number 10, The Raid. And there we go. Top 10 of the decade. Feel free to tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> and you can do Instagram and you into Twitter and you into email and you into podcast at gmail.com. So I should really give out some honorable mentions, by the way, for films of the decade. Dunkirk, I really enjoyed as well. Again, I just don't think it's as strong as Nolan's other films. The first It, I thought was pretty good. I was quibbling over whether it should make the list, but I really feel like the horror films like Witch and Hereditary and Wailing were better. Um, Parasite as well, And I watched that recently, I know. Um, I told you guys about it. I was quibbling over that as well. But again, I just thought, for me, it's just not as strong as the other. And you could say, how can, how can the Raid? How can Mad Max be better than Parasite? Again, I just enjoyed Mad Max a lot more. And yeah, sorry about that. And the same with the Raid as well. Like Parasite was a really good film and really great messages. Some good shots. Didn't make top 10 for me. I'm really sorry. Um, other ones, one that came on, that one that was on the list and then came off, Um, as I started thinking about it more, it was Nocturnal Animals. Uh, And people might be like, well, why Nocturnal Animals? Um, It was like harsh. (laughs) And and towards the end, like that final shot as well, it it really stuck with me, the whole thing. Um, And it was really well told. And just, you know, all the stuff that was happening in the book that they, you know, um, dramatized was tough, really tough for me to watch. And it really worked really well, um, and I thought it was brilliant. And I thought the meaning behind it was great. Like because throughout the whole thing, I was just like, I "Don't really get where this is going." And then when it ended, I was just like, "Man!" And it all just clicked into place, and I was like, "Fuck, I get it." And um, yeah, and I just realised that it was. And you know, when that clicks for you, I don't want to spoil it because I don't know if everyone's seen it. Um, or if not, just contact me and I'll kind of talk to you about it <laughs> or maybe i do an episode on it, I don't know um, yeah, really, really, really was good and The Lobster, I don't know if I said that, I can't remember um, another great one, um, but I can't pronounce the guy's name the great guy's name, but he did Dogtooth as well which I was just talking about Us, really liked Us, top 10 yeah, I liked the other horror stuff a lot better people be like, Joker, why isn't Joker up there? I thought Joker was good. I didn't think it was great. Sorry. Um, It Follows, same thing. Really great horror. I just think the other guys did it better. I'm sorry to say that. Um, And then I was thinking, oh, what else? What else might, might make it? Kill List, really good British horror film. And it was, for me, it was kind of like, what did I like better, The Witch or Kill List? And I really loved Kill List when it came out. And it had quite a... Uh, For people, you know, that listened to the New Winter audio drama, um, there's a lot that was taken from, not like Stealing-wise, but it was influenced by Kill List, which is influenced by other things, obviously, as well, um, that made it into A New Winter. Uh, So if you you did like the audio drama, then you should check out Kill List. Um, Really good film. Uh, But for me, I was like, The Witch was probably its closest neighbour, let's say, and I just thought... The Witch was a better film, and uh, for me, basically, to be honest. Um, funny enough, Gravity, Gravity, I thought was pretty good, um, but after I watched it two D, and for the third time, I was like, "Yeah, it kind of relies a lot on three D, and also, um, it was it was quite forgettable afterwards to a degree." Um, it felt like it was amazing and very much of the moment, but for me, it just didn't really stick long enough. Uh, another one was Ghost Story. Really liked Ghost Story. Um, Casey Affleck, I know he, he uh, he's got a whole thing because of sexual harassment or whatever. Um, but I really liked how it was a really small, yet moving uh, film. And yeah, it was it was quite difficult. For me to take that off the list because it did it was on there for a little bit but um yeah so those are just some honorable mentions again you know let me know what i might have missed thanks for listening guys and if you enjoyed the show then remember to rate and review us or go to patreon.com slash new winter to find out how you can get exclusive content see ya you